Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Tuesday Night Podcast Club. As always, I'm your host Jess and this week I'm going to be covering the A Brief History of Podcasts. History of is hosted by Paul McGann and shock to me too, he's from Liverpool. However, I am very common in comparison to him. I could not tell at all. In my shock, I breezed over the fact that he's also the eighth Doctor Who, so go Paul. He's been in Luther, Queen of the Damned, and Anika. If his absolute fame isn't enough for the family, His three brothers are also very successful actors too. What a fan. So on this show, Paul gives us a brief history lesson on different events marked in history forever. There's one on the Chernobyl disaster, Henry VIII, Apollo 13, the suffragettes, and what I'll be talking about today, the Berlin Wall. Standing for nearly 30 years, Berlin was divided not just by ideology, but by a concrete barrier that ran through the city serving as an ugly symbol of the Cold War, almost 27 miles long and protected with barbed wire, attack dogs, armed guards and 55,000 landmines. Why did it go up? What happened in those 30 long years on each side? And how did it finally fall? Let's do it. So something that I've never really learned all that much about for some reason, but would like to learn more about is the Berlin Wall. Obviously I do know the basics. I know it was horrendous for those trapped under Soviet rule but I didn't know the full extent of those 30 years. But Paul's brief version which is about 45 minutes long got me interested. As always I got obsessed and I've done a hell of a lot of my own side research and will try and do a concise 10 minute roundup before you can head over there and give the full episode a listen. Paul opens this episode with the story of one woman, Ida Siegman. On the 22nd of August 1961, she was a day away from her 59th birthday. A German-born nurse who'd lived through world wars and was now happily living in a thriving Berlin. Nine days earlier, she'd woken up on the wrong side of a new construction an ugly concrete wall separating East and West Berlin. A world was changed and she'd already had enough. She wanted to spend her birthday with her friends and her sister. She didn't want to be oppressed again under Soviet rule. She decided to throw her most treasured belongings out of a third floor window, which was right on the border of the wall. Then she jumped to her freedom. Ida landed badly from the third floor and bled to death on the side of the road. She'd become known as the first of hundreds of casualties contributed to the reign of the Berlin Wall. So why did this happen? And why did so many have to die? 
First, we have to go back to August 1945. World War II ended in May and there's a conference known as Potsdam being held where the four victorious allies decided Berlin is to be divided into four sectors. The American, British and French in the West and the Soviet in the East. There have been free movement across all borders, including that of East Germany under Soviet rule, apart from a period in the late 40s where the Soviets closed all access, other than by air, into East Berlin. On the 12th of September 1960, Walter Ulbricht becomes the new leader of the German Democratic Republic. He's also at this point the General Secretary of the Central Committee of the Socialist Union Party of Germany. In 1961, a lot of East Germans are moving to the West and he does not like this one bit. So on the 12th of August that same year, he secretly orders his most trusted men overnight to erect a wall, keeping anyone currently on the East in. So on the 13th of August 1961, East Germans woke up to find themselves in a new Soviet-run country, separated by a huge concrete barbed wire wall from family friends, their work, school, relationships, social lives and any sort of financial or physical freedom. Welcome to East Germany, Est 1961. Now obviously this is terrible news and people are devastated. Casualties like that of Ida begin. She's the first but far from the last. Trapped inside the next 28 years were literally grey for the people of East Germany. They went briefly a little something like this. On the 26th of June 1963, two years into the war, US President at the time, John F. Kennedy, takes a trip to West Germany and makes a speech outside the Schoenberg City Hall that goes down in history. He said, All free men, wherever they live, are citizens of Berlin. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Berliner. But still, no change. Then, in September of 1964, Martin Luther King Jr. visits both West and East Berlin. Somewhat unheard of, he managed to cross the border using his American Express card as identification. During this time, violence was worsening and the guards of the wall from the east side had been given clearance to shoot dead anyone attempting to cross to the west. It's a long eight years until 1971 when an agreement between East and West Germany is signed on December 17th. This is meant to make it easier to travel to and from Berlin, but in reality, nothing changes at all and checkpoints are still impossible for East Germans to leave the Soviet state. Then, in 1973, Walter Albrecht dies in office, and on the 1st of August, Willy Stoff replaces him for three years. Then, in turn, he's replaced by Eric Hockner, the man who was in charge of building the wall in 1976. And still it goes on. Another 10 years pass, and then it's the June of 1987. Two concerts were held that summer on the west side of the wall. 
one by the pop duo The Eurythmics and one by former villain resident David Bowie. The concept behind both shows was to play for fans in the West Berlin while offering at least a chance to hear the performance to the fans who were forbidden to cross over for the show from the East. The East Berlin police could not even handle the idea of Western music crossing over to the ears of their youth. So they set up another fence about 200 yards away from the wall to prevent fans from getting too close. Both concerts resulted in rioting from youth on the east side, knocking over the fence not only to get closer to the respective shows, but also to express dissatisfaction with the censorship of the East German government. Then it's not but a week later when then US President Ronald Reagan makes his second state visit to West Berlin and during this visit he makes a speech in front of the Brandenburg Gate in which he demands Mr Gorbovich tear down this wall. So everyone is 26 years deep at this point and getting a little bit sick of it all to be frank. The kids who were brand new or not even born when the wall was put up were now beginning to rebel. They wanted life on the other side and it began to show in the mood of East Berlin. Then it's 1988 and the Stasi, who are the East Berlin secret police, got the idea in the heads that keeping the youth in check was going to be a bit of a struggle. So they decided to quash the demands of them. They'd allow one major Western performer to appear in East Germany. The government went with freedom-loving Bruce Springsteen He performed to a crowd of 300,000 for four hours and said, in German, I'm not here for any government. I've come to play rock and roll for you in the hope that one day all the barriers will be torn down. He then plays a cover of Bob Dylan's Chimes of Freedom and in the end, what was supposed to give the youth its fill of Western music only left them wanting more. In October of 1989, things are coming to a bit of a boiling point. The East German government come under increasing pressure to reform and on the 4th of October, there's mass anti-government demonstrations in Dresden, Leipzig and East Berlin. Erich Honka is forced to resign his governmental and party leadership positions on the 18th of October and on the 23rd, the Monday demonstrations begin in Leipzig. Then, with the slogan... Versen das Volk, meaning we are the people. East Germans demand radical reforms and the resignation of the Soviet government. And then on the 9th of November 1989, the Iron Curtain of the Soviet Union began to collapse, first with the fall of the Berlin Wall. The event that would see the start to the end of the majority of Europe's communist rule. It almost fell accidentally when the new head of the East German Communist Party announced that citizens of East Berlin could cross the border whenever they pleased. That night, ecstatic crowds swarmed the wall and overwhelmed checkpoint officers, some who were unaware of the announcement, and the sergers and passing began to damage the wall. Then, in the coming months, in the start of the 90s, the wall would almost completely disappear nearly as quick as it arrived. For some, as though it had never been there, but for those who lived behind it, the terror and heartbreak lived on, and still does. The trauma would be unbearable for so many, and the friends and family 
of the at least 140 people who died attempting to escape during the GDR rule and were shot or fell to the deaths. This is a truly wild, oppressive and tragic part of history. But it is a part of our modern history and there is a lot to be learned from. Today, Berlin is as beautiful, vibrant and alive as ever, but they'll always remember the 28 years of divide. So, in review of this show, I actually really loved it. I love learning about anything new and interesting, and this podcast has concise, like, 45-minute to one-hour-long recaps of all those interesting historic events and people. For the history lovers, this one will be right up your street. I give it a four on the scale, but absolutely love, so go and give it a listen. As always, thank you for listening to episode 19 of the Tuesday Podcast Club. Please remember to rate, review, follow and subscribe wherever you listen. And I'll see you next week. Bye.